Chicago continues to struggle in finding ways to support the growing number of new arrivals to the city. There are close to 12,000 migrants living in the city's 24 shelters and around 3,000 more sheltering at police stations and airports. Now, the city is seeking new contracts to feed, house and provide services to migrants. And joining us now to explain is Lee John Greco, government and politics reporter for Crane's Chicago Business. Good to have you here in studio, Lee. Thanks so much. So you published a report yesterday. It was about the, the city's search for contractors uh, to provide meals to to migrants who are in these city-run shelters. So let's start off by talking about that need, first of all, because, as I said, there are a lot of people in those shelters and also sheltering at O'Hare and inside and outside of police stations. Yeah, so um, as of this morning, uh, the city reported they have over 11,000, it's like 11,750 migrants who are in city in city shelters. And then uh, there's over 3,000 at police stations, um, at O'Hare. Um, there uh, aren't any at Midway right now. Okay. Um, but the contract right now that's out would serve meals to all of those migrants um, at all of those different temporary and uh, I guess we'll call them, at least for now, permanent shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, as of now, uh, the contractors are just serving uh, migrants at city-run shelters, but it's volunteers that are bringing food to police stations. Oh, so who who is currently feeding residents at the uh, at the shelters? So Just volunteers? No, uh, at the police stations, it's volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's contractors. Um, at are, the shelters. At the shelters. So, so open kitchens being one of those? Open kitchens is one of those. Um, and then, you know, there's been a lot of reporting about favorite staffing, but favorite is not serving the meals to people. They're basically, um, you know, kind of providing security. These shelters just kind of manning the shelters. Providing the people. The, right. The staffing. Exactly. So, so what does this request for proposal, this RFP, say? And, and what type of contract really is is the city looking to secure here. So, like I said, this is going to cover all the shelters, including the police stations and places like uh, O'Hare and Midway. Um, it's also going to cover any other shelters uh, that the city is going to stand up. So uh, there are 24 shelters right now. Um, you know, it's possible, it's probable uh, that the city opens up more to accommodate this huge influx of people. Um, so there's not a, uh, a dollar amount in this RFP right now. Oh, okay. um, it doesn't say like this is worth, you know, $10 billion or or $100 million or whatever. Um, they're basing it on the amount of people that they serve. So uh, the cost is going to be about 13 to $17 per person uh, at the shelter. Um, or rather per meal. Per day or per meal? Per um, per meal. Okay. Uh, and then uh, and then it's, uh, you know, 365 days a year. Um, so, you know, kind of calculate that out given how many people are there right now. And of course, like that's a, you know, constantly changing number. You know, this is probably going to be um, a multi-million dollar contract. And I'm sorry, you said per meal. It is um, per shelter Per resident per day. Per day. Yes, yeah. per day. I thought I read that in your story. Yes, and I, yeah. I remember shaking my head in that <laughs> yes. moment like, what? But still, you know, $17 per resident per day. Um, and, you know, you have these 13,000 residents right now. That's a, that's a lot of meals. Yeah. Well, another reason the city is looking for new contracts is that there have been complaints 
about the the current company that's providing those meals. What else can you tell us about Open Kitchen specifically and, and what you've learned through your reporting? Yeah, and I should say it's uh, it's they're complaining about all the companies that are contracted right now. So Open Kitchens only serve six out of the 24 shelters. Okay. Um, so there are other contractors um, right now. What I've heard from volunteers um, who, to be clear, the volunteers, like I said, can go to the police stations, um, but they are not allowed inside the city-run shelters. Um, this has been reported out uh, before. Um, and so basically what happens is uh, these volunteers welcome migrants at police stations, and then those migrants uh, will be moved to a shelter. And a lot of these volunteers are keeping in touch with them, you know, over text, over WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. And uh, the migrants are telling them that, you know, the food is bad, it's spoiled, there's not enough food. Um, But it's tricky to validate this because, you know, there's no way for average citizens to go into these shelters. um, So how did you find all this out? So I, you know, this is from these volunteers who are telling me, I did talk with, you know, Open Kitchens, for instance, and I told them um, that, you know, one of these shelters, the Inn of Chicago, which has a bed capacity of like 1550. um, So it's a huge shelter. I said, you know, hey, some of these complaints are coming from here. Uh, Have you ever heard any? And they said, no, we haven't received any reports of complaints. Um, We do not have spoiled food. Um, You know, we have state-of-the-art refrigeration facilities. Mm -hmm. And they also meet with the Department of Family and Support Services every week. Um, And DFSS told me the same thing, that they meet with the contractors um, and they ensure that, you know, basically everything is properly in place. I see. Yeah. And one of the concerns that were raised too, uh, I was checking your reporting and it, it talked about accommodating dietary restrictions. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, someone with diabetes, for instance, uh, you know, you can't give them pasta twice a day, every day. Right. Exactly. So you have to think about people that have dietary restrictions like that, pregnant women. Um, another big thing that this new RFP is laying out is um, basically what the city has talked about um, is ensuring cultural competency. And I know that sounds like maybe a fluffy word or, you know, why it's a buzzword for it's, sure. It's a buzzword. But so what does it mean in this instance? So in this instance, basically what it means is um, so 90 percent of these migrants um, are Hispanic. They are coming from Venezuela is the largest group. You also have people coming from Colombia, Ecuador. Um, You have uh, more and more people coming from Haiti. Um, DFSS talked about that last week at a hearing. Um, And so, you know, basically the food that they eat is different than what Americans eat. Um, And frankly, Americans have a really sugary diet. And uh, so, you know, this new contract is uh, basically asking to include things like rice, plantain, chicken, black beans, um, things that would fit in with what they're eating, um, because that's going to prevent people from getting sick. Like, yeah. think about if you go on a trip and you eat things that you're not used to, you get sick. That's obviously a huge problem if mm-hmm. you scale it up to, you know, a thousand people or or a couple hundred people in one of these shelters. So the idea here is to 
you know, provide them with food that they're used to from yes, their home countries. Exactly. So one of the ways the city's uh, attempting to move folks out of these police stations is creating the winterized base camps. We've been talking mm-hmm. about that uh, in the media for weeks now. Uh, they've contracted with Garda World to to build them, and they've faced backlash because mm-hmm. of uh, it's the company's humanitarian record. I want to play a little bit of what Mayor Johnson's deputy chief of staff, Christina Passione Zayas, had to say about how the city's responding to those complaints. Mm-hmm. We have a guide which we're looking at very closely with community partners as well as with Garda World so that they have a firm understanding of what our expectations are around dignity and service and humanity. So she's talking about Garda World here specifically, but I am curious if that focus on the dignity that she describes, does that match up with what you've been hearing, your reporting on the, the way that the city's interacting with uh, contractors like Open Kitchens? Well, I think... What is happening is, you know, looking at open kitchens, uh, they've been a huge contractor for the city for many years. Um, You know, they contract with CPS, uh, with CPD. Um, They do Meals on Wheels. So, you know, they're they're a family-owned entity. They're very different from Garter World in that way. Uh, They are from Chicago. So they have deep roots here. Mm -hmm. So I think what's happening is, um, you know, I I used to report on defense contracting, and it's very similar. Um, The military would always talk about, we have to move fast. We have to react to what's going on. Um, But the contracting system is so slow moving that you end up depending on, you know, the people that you've already worked with. Um, And so I think that's what the city is running into right now. Um, You know, whether it's piggybacking off of, uh, you know, the state contract, which is what they did with Garda World or, um, you know, with these uh, shelter meal services, they're going with people that they know. And that's why I think this new RFP is um, not only looking to contract with two companies Mm because they're splitting it between the north and south of Chicago divided by Lake Street, um, but they are also hoping to subcontract. So I think they're trying to avoid um, maybe some of the issues that they've run into uh, with these huge contractors. So, I mean... To that end, Lee, providing adequate food, that's just one part of this whole thing, right? There's also this ongoing effort to to bring more shelters online as soon as possible. As, to your mm-hmm. point a moment ago, fast. we got to do this fast. The season's changing. It's getting colder outside. So I want to take another listen to what Passione Zayas had to say last week. Community engagement at this level is really about... Um, assuring how do we uh, center dignity and respect of the individuals that are going to be residing in these base camps um, for a period of time? How do we partner with um, community-based organizations and social service agencies to um, provide the wraparound supports? Because we don't control the number of buses that come, the frequency, um, and what the federal government does or does not do, what we can control is receiving this type of information and how how it is that we operationalize our values. Yeah, so lots there, but I'm, I'm curious the latest efforts then on, on bringing more housing online mm-hmm. for folks. Um, I think you're referring to some of the permanent housing that they're yes. looking at outside of. Yeah, so um, that has obviously been a fraught issue. Um, you know, we saw uh, Alderwoman Ramirez um, was accosted uh, last week um, by constituents and people in our area uh, protesting Brighton Park. Mm -hmm. And again, I think this goes back to, you know, the city is trying to move at this breakneck speed. And what happens is um, they basically 
identify a location and they start talking with that landlord. And then sort of at the end of that process, and this is last time I spoke um, with the uh, deputy chief of staff, she told me uh, that, you know, it's like seven to 10 days, basically. So it seems that the alder person is brought a little bit too late into that conversation. Yeah. Um, we also have to remember that, um, you know, it's tough to put the onus on alder people because they have no control over this. Um, so there's typically something called uh, aldermanic prerogative, um, which is where they would, you know, discuss zoning. Um, and that is not an issue here because uh, if you have a shelter um, or a building that the city wants to be a shelter and uh, it's not zoned for residential, they can get around that zoning. Mm-hmm. So if it's industrial or it's an office space, um, they have flexibility around zoning because of Governor Pritzker's emergency order. Um, so, you know, that's just to say basically that, uh, you know, the alders are kind of being left out of this, um, but also the city is just moving so fast to make sure that people aren't out on the street yeah. as it gets colder. We we actually talked to Alderwoman Julia Ramirez earlier this week on the program about that, which you just brought up, that, that lack of um, transparent information about the, the process. I want to play a little bit of, of our conversation with her. Here's what she said about the concerns that she was hearing from residents in Brighton Park, where the city's looking to stand up winterized base camps. I think what what's happening is like the lack, first of, you know, answers, the lack of information. So, you know, misinformation comes through and then you kind of cling on to that. Um, and ultimately, I think that people may be more open than I think what some people assume. Here's a little bit more of what she had to say. One, it's public safety, of course. I mean, this isn't just a typical shelter, a brick and mortar. This is like six, seven shelters in one space. And so people have a lot of questions about how can you make sure that we feel safe because of all the added concerns that we have right now in the city. The other part of it is, is how temporary is it? What is the plan long term? And so when people, you know, think about this temporary or not so temporary, people are like, we've worked so hard. We're homeowners. What does this mean for property value? When 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 does it stop, you know, raising our taxes? You know, how are we going to get more support instead of feeding into this? So she brings up a couple of points there. Public safety first. Mm-hmm. Do we have evidence, Lee, to, to show that there is more crime around these shelters? Um, I haven't seen that myself. I've been hearing. I'm hearing anecdotes. Anecdotes here and there. Um, it, it's something that I've been looking into lately, um, but I I haven't looked into the data, so I can't speak to that whether yeah. you know things are popping up. Uh, she also brings up the the question of duration, right? How how temporary or long term the shelters are actually going to be? Any timeline at all right now from the city? So not really. Um, I think that depends on a lot of things. Um, I unfortunately think this might get worse before it gets better. Um, uh, Pasión Isaias had mentioned a week or two ago that uh, this really ramped up in Chicago. The number of buses that is after uh, the Democratic convention was announced here, Mm -hmm. because, of course, all of this is political. Uh, A lot of these you know, Southerner uh, border state governors are Republicans um, and they want to uh, send migrants up to blue cities. Um, and, you know, not only to sort of, I guess, one could argue 
share the the burden of this, but also, uh, you know, it's this uh, political gambit for them. And so uh, according to the city, more and more people um, have been bused to Chicago, Mm. um, you know, in the wake of the DNC, because, of course, you know, all eyes will be on the convention. Absolutely. Just a few seconds left. But but leave us with this. I mean, does it seem, though, to you as if downtown vacant office spaces could be the city's next answer here? Well, um, again, uh, (laughs) what's at issue here is uh, landlords um, are talking to the city about that, um, and so they want that. But uh, some of the downtown aldermen, uh, like Walter Burnett, um, do not want that. Um, So he has been telling, uh, you know, some of these landlords, no, we we have enough shelters. Um, His ward has uh, three shelters uh, so far. Um, But again, as I mentioned before, the alders have no control over this. So uh, it's aldermanic prerogative. Exactly. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Lee John Greco is a government and politics reporter for Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me.